Well, bless the Lord. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Can we give them a clap at home? All right. They're such a blessing. We can hear you. We can hear you. Yay. Hallelujah. Such, so good to be in the house of the Lord and you to be in your house with us this morning. Man, we believe. I see a light at the tu- end of the tunnel. I hope it's soon that we get to see your smiley, happy faces in this building once again. Hallelujah. Well, it is a good day. God is good. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. We have so much to be grateful for. I'm just so thankful for the presence of the Lord. Even as my dad was, Pastor John was giving the offering, I felt in my spirit um, that there's someone out there and you have a situation with a daughter uh, specifically, and it's a financial situation, like um, almost, almost they're, they're entrapped. Uh, is the word I would describe. And so I hear feel the Lord saying there's deliverance for you and just to that the, answer, the prayer of your heart, God has answered and you will see a turnaround here in the future. So near future. So just believe that, receive it, whoever you are. I, I just believe God is moving on your behalf and he's heard the cry of your heart. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. And I know many of us are ready to come out of lockdown. Amen? I hope if you feel what I feel, you're ready to come out of lockdown. (laughs) And uh, we love our family. We love being together, but we also love being together other places. So uh, we're looking forward to those opportunities uh, soon. And um, I saw this post this week, and I thought it was pretty funny from a friend of mine, a pastor friend. He says, lockdown can only go four ways. Uh, You'll come out a monk a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. (laughs) Choose wisely. And his post said, monk and hunk, please. So I'm praying you come out more spiritual, closer to the Lord, and uh, stronger physically, and and, amen. So COVID-19 doesn't turn into COVID-25. All right. Uh, Well, throughout this pandemic, throughout this lockdown, we have been uh, faced with redefining what is essential in our lives. And uh, this word essential has been in my heart all week. And I don't know about you, but it bothers me that in society, the church has now been labeled non-essential. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord challenging us. Challenging us. And maybe it's time for some self-reflection in our hearts this morning to go, are we really essential? I believe that's God's calling for us. His high calling, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the high calling of God. And so we have to ask ourselves, when you went into the, before this lockdown, what was your perspective on that? How essential was church in your life? Because I hope you come out the other end appreciating the privilege, the freedom to gather. But more than that, appreciating that, you know what? The world has indicted us and they've said we're not essential. So how can we as the church rise up and prove them 
wrong and be the essential church that God's called us to be. We have to ask ourselves some serious questions. And what's in my heart this morning is if we desire to be the essential church in our world again, we are going to need to start praying some essential prayers. Essential prayers. This has been in my heart. Some of you maybe had the chance to watch or, or listen into the interview I did with George Otis Jr. on prayer. It was powerful. Um, but as I went into the month of May, I felt in my heart the cry May Day. <laughs> Meaning there's an urgent, uh, fervent prayer that God is looking to birth out of the heart of his people. That we are in a time when we need to cry out to him and that there are some essential prayers God wants to lead us in and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into. And so even last week, I hope you had a chance to listen to my beautiful, amazing, wonderful wife preach that amazing message. She's here this morning. And if you will, turn with me to the book of Hannah. I'm so kidding. I'm, I just had a mess with her. I'm sorry. I gave her a hard time all week, all week. But um, no, it was, she preached on Hannah's prayer, and it was powerful. It was awesome. And one of the things she went into was the need for desire. Desire. That I believe we have what we want. And that God wants to once again waken within us a desire. Three weeks ago I preached out of Psalm 37. In Psalm 37 verse 4 it says, Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so... But there has to be a vacuum for God to fill with his desire. And so as things are shifting in our lives during this lockdown, I believe one of the things the Lord wants to do in the midst of this, and even Steve Sampson confirmed this in one of his prophetic messages on social media, was this, that it's a time for reset. It's a time to reset priorities, and one of them in being allowing God to fill our hearts with his desire. Because desire is the starting place of the fire of intercession. God fills us with the desires of heaven. Do we want what he wants? How bad do we want it? Are we willing to fight for what he wants? Are we willing to seek the Lord and pray and, and, and press like pastor preached on two weeks ago until we see the manifestation of what God wants in our world? George Otis shared three things in prayer, specificity, urgency, and the need for expecting results. Yes. And I'm going to dovetail on that this morning. I'm also going to dovetail on what my wife preached, which is the desire piece. But I also feel a sense. So in a dream this week, there's not much to this dream, but I was having a conversation in the dream with one of the pastors, in fact, my mom. And in this dream, what I remember about it was, saying these words specifically. Prayer is a priority. Prayer is a priority. And I felt that so strong and I was emphatic and it was not corrective by any means. Pastor Judy would agree fully that prayer is a priority. But I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying, this is what I want for my people right now. There's things that we need to pray about that are on the heart of God. It's the essential prayer. Because I believe what God wants to shift us from is the mode of survival to revival. Yeah. 
We've been trying to survive. We've listened. We've complied. We've, you know, we've, we've taken necessary precautions and we've done what we need to do. And I'm not saying to stop any of that stuff, but I'm saying in our hearts, something needs to shift. Where our focus goes to being what God wants to do, reviving our world. But revival implies something dies and newness of life comes in. So I heard one pastor say this, and I believe this is true. That there's a purpose that God wants to bring about. He's not the author of the disease, but he can bring purposes about in the midst of this lockdown in this pandemic. And one of them is to shake some things in our lives. So if our expectation is to go back to the way things were, forget it. Some, we're coming out of this different. We're in a new season. There's a new shift. And God wants something to shift in our hearts along with that. And part of that is praying the essential prayer. So the title of my message this morning is The Essential Kind of Prayer. And I want to talk about a few characteristics of the essential type kind of prayer. Um, and it's out of Luke chapter 11. Let's just pray real quickly. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who leads us in prayer. You are the one who reveals the deep things of God to us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us, for those who love him. But by your spirit, by your spirit, God, you reveal these things to us. You reveal to us the deep things of God. And we pray this morning that you would bring impartation. Lord, that you would bring upon us your burden, your desire, God. We want the vacuum of desire in our heart to be filled with your desire. Lord, we ask that your word would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would bring fresh revelation and insight to the spirit of wisdom and knowledge, uh, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in this time and this hour, Holy Spirit. We thank you for it. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, 5 through 6, it says this. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Anyone have any friends like that? Show up in the midnight hour with a pressing need. Well, here's the background. So before this, Jesus is teaching on prayer. His disciples have asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. What a desire. What a desire. I hope that's the desire of every disciple. Lord, teach us how to pray the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man that will avail much. And he then leads them, and it's, we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer, but I will really say this morning it's the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I won't go through the rest, but he was teaching them this. Kingdom mindset, kingdom prayer mindset, and that's, that's happening. And then he come, before he comes to this parable, and what he's desiring to do in this parable is demonstrate to us through the power of contrast, the importance of persistence in prayer. You see, this friend shows up, and now this guy, this gentleman who now has to go to his friend on behalf of his other friend, has sudden circumstances. Call it a crisis, if you will, in his life. 
And you see, you need to understand this culture a little bit. See, in Middle East culture, hospitality was considered one of the highest virtues and an essential. If someone showed up at your house, one was obligated to set food before them, no matter what time of day it was. So this was a crisis for him. Many of you have had crises. The timing, look at it, it's midnight. The darkest point, the darkest time. When the rest of the world is in deep sleep, slumber, that's when this need arises. You know, I will say this this morning. We discover many times what we truly believe in the darkest times of our life. Because that's where faith is tested. See, we can profess all day these things we believe. We can say all the right Christianese, but when the dark moment hits your life, in that time of darkness, in that time of desperation, when sudden circumstances come upon you, what do you really believe? See, our doctrine is not what we say we believe, it's what we, how we actually live. And so in that dark moment of circumstances, will we let the darkness and the circumstances and our unbelief or whatever else overshadow our ability to respond to the needs of others? Or will we be who God's called us to be? So the first characteristic this morning I want to share with you of the essential prayer is selfless. I want you to see him. His ask is for a friend. His ask is not on his behalf, but on the behalf of his friend. Now that's not to say that there aren't times when we need to pray the essential prayer for our own needs. Don't hear me wrong this morning. But I believe the attitude of our heart needs to shift from only being on ourselves to on others and their needs. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Did you hear that? Wow, that's kingdom. That's kingdom culture. Regarding one another as more important than yourselves. That's a different mindset. That's completely contrary to the worldly way of thinking. To the self-centered way of thinking. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. But also for the interests of others. Let me just say this as a side note, maybe a slight detour this. But when you have allowed your life, when the abundance coming into your ears and your eyes during this time is fear-based, then what will come out of you is fear. And fear will cripple you from being who God's called you to be. Fear will make you self-centered. He has just instructed the disciples how to pray. But in another account in Matthew 6, before sharing the disciples' prayer, Jesus says to them, don't be like the Gentiles. For your father, come on, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. What would happen? See, I believe this is how the kingdom is supposed to work. 
I don't have to worry about me. My father's got me. And in those crisis moments, I have some friends. I have some friends. I have some friends. You. I know that the Holy Spirit will lead you to hit your knees in that moment. In my moment of crisis, I know that I am not alone. That God has surrounded me with people who love me. I remember one time I was in this moment of prayer and just seeking the Lord. And sometimes when we seek the Lord, we're seeking a feeling or an experience. Because we're still learning how to not live based on our five senses. So we, experience, we want to experience something. We want to sense something. We want to feel something. And so I was in one of those moments trying to recreate this feeling. And it was just miserable. Very self-centered prayer moment. And I hear this thing. I mean, the Holy Spirit's so good. And he's so simple. I mean, if you're struggling to hear the voice of God, many times it comes in your own voice. But it's a thought you would have never had. And he says, why don't you try praying for somebody else? Oh. So I began to think of people in my life who were needed prayer. And I began to pray for them. And all of a sudden, names just started coming to me and needs and things, and I began to pray. And as I did this, joy filled my soul. Joy filled my soul. Because that's the heart of heaven. So we don't have to worry about me. We can worry about others or not worry, but believe God for others and stand in the gap for others who are in need and in crisis in the midnight hour. You see, something else about the midnight hour, I don't know what it is. It's also the time when Paul and Silas were in the prison. They began to pray and praise God, and that's when the earthquake came and they were set free. I don't know what it is. Darkest moment that God brings breakthrough. So maybe some of you are right now in a midnight hour, but God's about to meet you in a moment of breakthrough. To set you free, to see deliverance in your life. <clears throat> this is a kind of prayer that is concerned with God's glory, his name, his reputation, his will being done on earth. This is the essence of the essential prayer that I'm sharing on this morning. This isn't about us. It's about him. Number two, to dovetail on what George shared, specific. His prayer, his ask was specific. I'm telling you, when you get in the frequency of the Holy Spirit in prayer, your heart is aligned with his desire, his will, his purpose, God will give you specifics for the need. And so he asks, not just for food, but bread. And not just for bread, but three loaves. I need three. Very specific. And why do you say it's important to be specific? Because you can attach faith to specifics. You can truly put God to the test. 
And how many know he likes that kind of test when it comes with faith? If you won't waver and doubt, be tossed to and fro, if you'll just believe God and you'll begin to say, this is specifically what I need. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's there to direct that prayer. Look at James 2, 4, chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. He says, you lust and do not have. You commit murder. I hope that's none of you. Praise God. You are envious and cannot obtain. You fight and quarrel. Again, none of you. I know that I'm not speaking to any of you this morning. You do not have because you do not ask. And three, verse three says, you ask, some versions say amiss, and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Let's go back to the first S, first characteristic, which was selfless. See, here's what happens when the Holy Spirit's directing your prayer. He's going to put an amen on the ones that are hitting the bullseye. And there may be a reason you're not seeing the breakthrough. Maybe it's because there's a motive that God wants to deal with in our hearts. See, in that prayer practice, when you begin to press in in prayer, God will begin to direct your heart. He'll begin to deal with those motives that are behind the prayer. Why are you praying this, son, daughter? What do you truly want? And that's when he fine-tunes and your desires begin to align with heaven. It's a specific prayer. Philippians 4, 6, you know it, many of you. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Somebody say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God with specificity. The blind man was crying out to Jesus by the side of the road on the way to Jericho. And Jesus stopped, went to the man. He commanded that he be brought to him. And he came near and he questioned him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Specify. Well, duh, Jesus, I'm blind. Can you not see it? No, he needed to state it. He needed to state it. And sometimes we need to really go, what is it I want from God? Specific. What is it he wants? And how can I pray in alignment with what he wants? Now let's just talk about it. He said, and he says this, the, the blind man's response was, Lord, I want to regain my sight. Oh God, I want to regain the sight of the eyes of my heart to see what you see and to see how you see. Why are we afraid to be specific in prayers? I'm going to throw out a few reasons. Timidity. If we're honest, we are afraid to ask something specific and then God not answer. We're afraid of failure sometimes. Well, here's the thing from prayer. If you pray something that's not in the will of God, he'll tell you why you didn't get the answer. Or he may show you why it's not happening. And in further detail and direction in your prayer. So it says, or we're too polite. Oh, come on. We've got some polite people in here. You don't need to be polite with God. You can be reverent 
You can be praising, thankful, all these things. But when it says to go to God, it talks about boldness. That we come with boldness. We don't come with timidity or fear. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, passivity. Or, or let me just say this on timidity. Sometimes we think our prayer is too audacious for God. Too audacious. I mean, but you know what we're seeing from this parable? That God likes audacious prayers that are in the will of God. Then there's passivity. We don't believe our prayers make any difference or we misunderstand God's sovereignty. Sometimes that's the case. Well, see, if you believe everything that's happened in this world is the will of God, oh man, our God must be capricious tyrant. Everything that's happened in this world is not the will of God. Let's just get that clear. If it was, there's no reason to pray. pray. I'm done here. But God's desire, it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, is that all should come to repentance. Are we seeing all come to repentance? No. His desire that all should be saved in Timothy. Paul's letter to Timothy. We're not seeing all saved. There are many things that God desires that are not happening in the earth. And they only happen. He has chosen for those things to happen through partnership and agreement in prayer. He will not do it without us. To quote one man, he said, without God, it's impossible. Without man, he won't. He needs agreement on earth. Do you remember what? In the garden, that little thing that happened there? Little mess up? Where Adam sinned and they were kicked out of the garden. They were... They were Shielded from that with the angels and the swords and all that. There was that. And then there's Jesus when he comes. And the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And he's in that time of temptation. And Satan takes him up on the temple. Pinnacle. says, Shows him all the kingdoms of this world. And he says, you can have this. It's all been, if you will just bow down and worship me. It's all been handed over to me. When Jesus refers to Satan, he calls him the ruler of this world. So what does that tell you? We've got a ruler who we need to fight. And, we need, and if we want to see the kingdom of God manifest in the earth, it takes us, our redeemed wills, being in agreement with God's will on earth, in heaven to see it manifest on earth. But without that, things are not happening. So passivity is one reason. Sometimes it's just ignorance, right? We've all been there. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. This is actually scriptural. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that we don't always know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit with, with groanings comes and groans through us and, 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 and reveals to us what God's will is. But many Christians will just stop at the door with prayers of generalities. I believe God wants to bring us into a specific 
prayers. So selfless, specific. Let's continue in Luke chapter 11, verses 7 through 8. And from inside, his friend, that is, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. All right? So he's going to a friend's house. He's going to a friend's house on the basis of relationship. Somebody he knows and loves. And he can go there with boldness and confidence because he's his friend. But he's going at a time when the house is locked. And that means don't come in. If you were in a hotel, it would be that little thing on the door that says, do not disturb. That's essentially his friend's message with the closed door in that culture. It would have been likely on the inside that the entire family is sleeping on mats in the same room with a small fire to keep them warm. And they probably had some animals in there too. So if you come and knock persistently on the door, you're waking up the entire household. All right? But he didn't give up. He keeps knocking. And he keeps doing it to the point of irritation of this friend. Now, how many know it's nice to have good friends? It's nice to have a good neighbor. Not State Farm. A good neighbor. But I I have... One of my good friends used to be my neighbor, and I'm so sad he's not my neighbor anymore, but he's still my friend. I'll share with you about my friend Kyle. Uh, We moved into our neighborhood, and this man has a gift of helps like I've never seen. He really does. If you're listening, Kyle, this is you, bro. Um, But there would be times where I'd be working on a project, and I would turn around, and there's Kyle standing there. And he's got tools in his hands. He's like, you need some help? He was there right at that moment. He was one of those guys I could just go up to and say, I, got, I need some help with this. And he would drop whatever he was doing and come help me. It was unbelievable. And I thank God for a friend like that. That's a true friend. I could probably go to Kyle's door in the midnight hour. He might be an irritated, but... He would help. It's nice to have friends like that. But let me tell you, there's a friend that's closer than a brother. That when we look at these parables on prayer, many times it's a contrast. The third characteristic of essential prayer is shamelessness. Shameless. Being shameless. The word persistence here is eniadea which means utter shamelessness. So when he says, because of his persistence, it even wasn't even because of his friendship. It was because you have annoyed me to the point that I have to give this to you so you'll go away and I can go back to sleep. That's his motive. It is the concept of great boldness, of urgency, of pressing your request claim or demand to the very limits. Is there anyone like that? Anyone have any kids like that? I mean, I don't. 
I'm smiling at him. Yes. <laughs> I love my children. But um, every dad knows this sound. Dad, 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 dad. It's like a machine gun. Dad, 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 dad. And it gets faster and faster. And then it gets faster and faster until your wife goes, would you answer him? Please answer. Dad, 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 right? Come on. So I'll respond. I'll go, Gabe, 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 Gabe. All right. But they persist. What I love about my son, he's got this urge. He's got this desire when he wants something. And he will press till he gets it. It's a fire. It's a desire. And he's going to press to get He's so passionate. And it just makes you want to give it to him. Whatever it is. And he's going to use that against me. That's going to pay. That's going to cost me. Um, and it includes determination to persist in that urgent boldness until it receives the answer. I'm going to say that again. Determination to persist in that urgent Boldness until it receives the answer. The opposite of timidity and passivity. The willingness to be, to not even care what anyone thinks. It's the prayer like my wife described last week of Hannah. Her desire was so deep, so urgent, so bold. that as Eli looked at her prayer, he said, she must be drunk. So unaware of her outside demeanor because the inner desire was so great. The friend gave in to the request because he was displeased with his friend's persistence. In contrast to our father who is pleased with persistence. With audacious, unrelenting faith that won't give up doesn't yield to discouragement, doesn't yield to weariness, fear, or impatience. Mueller said it this way. He said, we must patiently, believingly continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. And this man's life was a constant testimony of that. My wife and I watched the documentary of his story of the orphanages in London where they believed God for every single need and saw literally food show up just in time for dinner. Multiple occasions. Thousands of orphans ministered to. A ministry that spread the earth because this man obtained things in prayer. I want that in my life. I hope that's a desire in your life. I don't want to just read about these things. I want to live and experience and obtain the promises of God. I don't want to fall short. I don't want to give up before we see it happen. Our importunity is another word. And it's only used here. That Greek word is only in this particular parable, in this passage. But our importunity is God's opportunity. It's an opportunity for him to manifest who he is, his mercy, his grace, his provision, his goodness. This prayer flies in the face of modern day Christian culture where we are living microwave Christianity. Or the Burger King, have it my way Christianity. That doesn't work. The instant gratification Christianity. These are not characteristics that will help us get through these end times. 
perseverance, endurance, fortitude. And here, persevering prayer. The good news this morning, God does not have a do not disturb sign hanging on his door. Praise God. We don't need to worry about inconveniencing him. Oh God, if it be your will, stop it. Ephesians 3, 11, 12 says this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Praise God. Boldness and confident access through faith in him. I hope you're encouraged and strengthened in that this morning. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence. There's that word again. It's the kind of boldness to just speak freely. To just be and, and pour out your heart. Just like David did in the Psalms. That's why it's so good to read those Psalms and see the heart of David as he just pours out his heart to God. He speaks freely before the Lord. To find mercy and grace. It's, his, it's called his throne of grace. We don't, we don't go in because of our own merit. Our access is because of the blood. So if you are holding back, if you're timid because you're like, well, I had a bad week, Pastor. I didn't read my Bible. I had some sin moments and things like that. You never, ever enter on your merit. You didn't lose your access rights because you sinned this week. The only reason we have access is because the blood was shed. We have access and we be bold because it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with what Jesus did. Luke 11, 9 through 10. He says, so I say to you, come on, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open." And if we were to read the verbs, they really are ask and keep on asking. It's a continual habit. These are verbs. These are actions. We're invited into a process to see God's will and his purpose accomplished on earth. We don't want to miss out. Why is it necessary? Why is persevering prayer why is importunity necessary why must we keep bringing and asking and seeking and finding didn't God seeking and knocking why didn't God hear the first time he did we're not trying to convince God to do something God wants to do it more than you want him to when you're praying in the will of God he wants it done more than you do We don't need to pray God, to ask God to be merciful. He is merciful. That's who he is. We don't need to ask him to be loving. That's who he is. We don't need to ask him to be gracious. That's who he is. What we need is to pray for the manifestation of him in this, in this world. 
See, there's things that are keeping him from being able to manifest in our neighborhoods, our city, our area, our nation, the nations of the world. You can think about when your child asks you for something and you want to give it to them. But maybe there's some conditions. Maybe the timing. You know, God has a kairos timing for everything. Many times the New Testament says, in the fullness of time, which means there was events that had to come about. There was things that had to happen before God could grant that thing. And they're dependent on people with free wills making decisions in obedience and faith. So there's a timing factor. There's hindrances. You remember when Daniel prayed? The Bible says... It was 21 days. Daniel prayed, and the, Lord, and the angel told him, I heard your prayer immediately. There was no interference between earth and heaven on that prayer, on the way up. But there was interference on the way down. There was a heavenly battle before that answer could be manifest on earth. So if you think because you don't see it that God didn't hear it, We need to quit going by our senses and go by faith in what God says in his word. Amen? The greatest example I can see, one of the greatest examples in scripture of this shameless importunity is the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus goes in Matthew 15, if you want to look it up on your own, Jesus goes to this, this region of Tyre. And it is said of the, this people type that they were the worst enemies of Israel. <laughs> they hated them. And so she hears of Jesus and she hears he's coming and she may have heard of his healing, that he was a healer, that he was someone who was casting out demons and setting captives free and her poor daughter was oppressed with a demonic spirit and there he is with his disciples and she comes and she asks him and her first, his first response is I, did, I came first to, the, to my own people the people of Israel I'm paraphrasing and then she goes yes but please have mercy on me and his disciples were standing there going hey, man Send her away. And you could have interpreted that as her persistence, just like the friend in the house at midnight, might have been so annoying. annoying. It's like, just give it to her, whatever she's asking. It's loud enough when she's crying. Give it to her. Or you, maybe they just wanted her to go away. I don't know. But she kept asking. And he says, I can't give the children's bread to dogs. Whoo! Some of you be so offended. <gasps> Jesus, you can't talk to me like that. You go fill up your social media. Did you hear what Jesus said to me? But what does she do? He says, but even the dogs get the crumbs. Even the dogs get the crumbs. And then she's, he says, you know, you're right. <laughs> you know, 
Great is your faith. She gets commended for her faith. What a testimony of persistence in prayer. You don't have to worry that Jesus is going to say no or call you a dog. Not that he was. There's different interpretations of that. But the bottom line is she didn't take no for an answer. She kept pressing. Her need was so great. Her desire, her urgency, her pressing in prayer and importunity got the result. So don't give up. Finally, Luke chapter 11, 11 through 13. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, somebody say how much more, I hear you, will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Number four is expectant. Selfless. Specific. Shameless. And expectant. He expected an answer. This man going to his friend's house so much that he refused to quit knocking. In spite of the hour, in spite of the shame, in spite of the inconvenience it may have caused him, in spite of how he may have been perceived, The response to that was, he gave him as much as he needed. Abundance. He got the bounty. Now, Jesus is contrasting that story, and he says, if a father or a friend, this is somebody who is evil, fallen, maybe self-centered, will get up in the midnight hour to give, what, give you what you need. How much more? He's contrasting the heart of the Father to, look, here's an example on earth of how persistence gets through. How much more with a good Father? With a loving Father? With a Father who's pleased with your persistence? With a Father who loves your faith and your unrelenting asking? Who encourages it? He's not irritated. He's not annoyed. He invites it. He needs it. <clears throat> my, da- my wife was telling me this morning there was a kid's church one time where she was teaching on this passage. And she actually brought in a scorpion in a box. So you got more... Those of you guys who are like worried about murder hornets and things like that, I mean, Pastor Carolyn's got scorpions for you. Uh, but she actually brought it into kids' church. And that, I think that got the message across. I didn't have any scorpions laying around, fortunately. Um, but our level of expectancy in prayer increases as we get to know him more and our hearts are aligned more and more with his desires. You see, there's... There is an outcome of this type of prayer. It produces in us the character of Christ's likeness. Because like him, we have to persevere, we have to push through, like he did under pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have to press through until we see the breakthrough. 
We have to give up, give of ourselves, lay down our lives, be selfless like he was. Not considering his own personal interest. This kind of prayer is not convenient. It's going to disrupt your sleep. It's going to disrupt your life. Are you willing to be available to avail yourself to the Lord for this? James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is coming down, is from above. Every good thing given. Every perfect gift. Why does God get blamed for so many bad things? Goodness. Read it here, please. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. A.W. Tozer says this, The problem is not to persuade God to fill us, but to want God sufficiently for Him to do so. Whew. To want God sufficiently for Him to do so. The reality is, and I'm closing on this, we are as full of God's Spirit as we want to be. The only thing keeping us from experiencing God's fullness is a lack of desire. He just says, ask of Him. He just says, ask of Him. So I would ask you this morning, how bad do you want it? We cannot pray this essential type of prayer without the filling of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth and reveals the deep things of God to us. It is the Holy Spirit who aligns our prayers with the heart of Jesus. We need to be filled Afresh. You see, there's one baptism, there's many fillings. There's many fillings. Ephesians 5, it says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled. And again, it's just like the asking, seeking, knocking. It's go on being filled. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. There needs to be an overflow in our lives. Continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you have surrendered to Him, He will lead you into these places of deep prayer and intercession. He will show you specifically things that need to be obtained through prayer and faith. He will reveal the selfless heart of Jesus. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. That kind of love. You see, in, in Romans 5 it says, we exult. In verse 5 it says, we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character. And proven character brings about hope. And we have hope because the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts.